You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. What's the lesson? Jill and I are sitting across the Zoom room from a special guest today who we're really excited to introce you all to, um, especially around the holidays. I feel like this is oh, when this things is can good. hit the fan. So <laughs> across from us is Tony Marinucci. Woo! I feel like that is definitely, she said she lives in the East Coast, New York. That's definitely like an Italian name here. She is a registered dietitian with her master's degree in nutrition and dietetics, and she has a passion for helping others live their best self through dietary changes, which we talk to so many girls about body image, which obviously the way they eat, the way they view food, their relationship with it is huge in terms of how they view themselves. So give it up for Tony. What is up, girlfriend? Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, and this is funny because we're acting like we just met her, but we just did a podcast <laughs> on her show as well. So we're doing a little pod swap. This would be the first time we've done that. So thank you for being our introduction into the pod swap world. I know that was very that was very fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I would I would say we killed two birds with one stone, but I learned the better saying, a more positive saying is we planted two trees with one seed. Oh, stealing that, putting that in my pocket. Okay. Love it. We yeah. like that. So how long have you been a dietitian? I mean, masters, that's no joke. That's a lot of schooling for those of you who are unaware. It's a couple more years than just your bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been a registered dietitian for eight years and five years before that I was in school for it. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's, yeah, it took me about five years to become a registered dietitian and get my master's. Um, I actually did a dual program. It was like expedited. I had no life for a year, but it was worth it. Um, so, but yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian for the past eight years. And now I'm so fortunate to have my own business where I work, have dietitians that are on my team where we help women to really heal their relationship with food and get out of these very either extremely restrictive or excessive habits where it comes to either excessive exercise or overeating to the point of feeling sick and just kind of feeling like food is controlling them rather than be- them being in charge of their food. It really help them just like make, make peace with food in their bodies so that they can live an energized life, an abundant life, a happy life, a fulfilled life, and just really be able to focus on life and on their families and their friends without always worrying about what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, what to wear, what not to wear, because they're feeling un- insecure in their bodies. So that's kind of, um, and the reason why I do it is because 
I was that person, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, um, I was overweight and teased for my weight. And very early on, I was actually told messages, like if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. So like I tied my weight to my worth very early on and just, it led down some really vicious negative cycles. And so I really struggled in that area and it took me a long time, but eventually I healed that. And now I love being able to help other women heal that and, and, their, and look at themselves and view themselves in a more positive way. It's so beautiful. It's so needed. I honestly, when you were sharing all of that, I'm like, I can probably look at my different friend groups and think of like the one or two women that you go to dinner with and they're kind of a bummer because they don't want to eat or they have a story around why they're not eating or whatever it is. And then you're like, well, then I kind of feel bad. You know, should I be questioning what I'm eating? And it's a whole thing. And the fact that um, you're healing the that that trauma or the whatever it is that these women are going through is so critical because like you said they're allowed to now buy back the energy that they spent thinking about i mean i can't even imagine probably hours years of their life to put it into things that are are worth it you know their family their careers so on and so forth. So I, I'm excited for this conversation because I feel like it can kind of go really angled towards the listeners, the parents. Um, it can also, I mean, we're, we're experiencing this with the girls that we mentor. So girls are so funny. Mary and I, (laughs) Mary and I always are like, you need to drink your water. And they're like, water. (laughs) We're like, this is step one of, you know, doing of a healthy inside, (laughs) doing good for your body. Well, and just stopping right there. It's funny. We had this exact conversation with one of our girls last weekend about drinking. I, I said, I drink a gallon of water a day. And she's like, a gallon? How do you do that? And I was like, well, I mean, it's it's really not that hard when you put your mind to doing something that you want to accomplish. And she was like, I don't think I've drank any water today. And it was like 2.30 p.m. So we're talking then about like what water does for you. But then Jill and I left and we were like, did we drink water when we were 14? <laughs> did we drink like Powerade, Gatorade, Coke, Pepsi. Dr. Pepper? Like I yeah. don't actually Oak tree remember. iced teas. I don't oh, know if that's really like a Long Island thing or a New York, East, New well, York thing. I mean, Oak tree iced teas were like my jam. <laughs> Arizona iced teas. And that's so Oh, yeah. Arizona iced Arizona. teas. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, did our parents have a conversation with us about how important water was? I mean, water makes up a large percentage of our body. So it, it's turning the tides of these conversations. And I love how, you know, we've taken something that was our mess and turned it into our message. So when we can bring other people onto the podcast who have done the exact same Mm -hmm. thing, there's passion behind it. There's purpose behind it. And when you have those two things, that's when you can create so much change for people because then they realize that it doesn't have to be the way they're doing it. And like Jill just said, they can buy back their energy and put it into the things that really do matter to them without that voice in the back of their head saying, oh God, this is going to turn out not the way I planned it. I, I can't do this. I can't do that because I have to this, that, and the other. So thank you for turning that mess into your message and impacting who you are impacting. How many people are on your team? So I have two dietitians right now and awesome. a, a lot of interns and um, I have my assistant, but yeah, my two dietitians are the ones that are doing a lot of the the chunk of the transformational internal 
and external, but we start with the internal work. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what, if women come to you, have you noticed that it's been years that they're struggling? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like, I'm sure you have those one-offs, but I mean, this is why, you know, if Mary and I, if we can learn something from you about what's the most important thing that we should be telling our, our, our daughters at this age, or how do we, how can we model good eating habits so that they can avoid working with you when they're, when they're 30, 40, I'm sure you probably have women even later than that, that are still struggling. I had a, a client once who she was 73 and started her first diet when she was six. Oh, so it's well, really, and we're seeing it on as the six, seven, eight year old. It's like really you said. sad. It's yeah. really sad. It's really, really sad. Um, and I honestly, the, the girls and the women, I want to say the women who joined the program who as young as 18 or like who, when their parents put the, you know, will kind of, you know, cause even though they're 18, they're able to do it on their own. Their, their parents are the one investing in it. You know what I right. mean? So mm-hmm. the ones who are, you know, for the college kids that we've worked with, like, it's just so inspiring and so grateful. I'm like, so happy that they have the parents that recognize that this is so needed. And then like, I've had, we have someone who's 21. I'm not even kidding. I remember getting on the phone with her, kind of talking with her. I don't really know their ages unless it comes up in conversation. I realized when I put her, she put her date of birth into the charting system that we use. And I like did a double take like 14 times. I'm like, there is no way this girl is 21. She was so mature speaking with her. Like, I just was like, and I was like, oh my God, I feel like so proud of her and so excited for her because she's 21 years old and she doesn't even realize the 40, 50 years that she has just saved herself yes. from such turmoil and torture yes. of not feeling good enough to do whatever you want to do because you don't feel confident in your body because you don't have the energy to do what you want to do because you're spending your mental energy on all these things that really don't matter that much once you figure out how to, you know how to feel your body to make it work for you. So 100%, I think the sooner the better. And so I think going back to your question, I think modeling health, a healthy relationship with food and good body image is always going to be the best way in which you can really teach. Um, so it's funny you brought up the water example. My mom actually was really good with drinking water. Like she just, that was like one of the things that like, so like I was always really good at drinking water. Like, and she's not that she told me to drink water. She just was like a water drinker. So (laughs) I was a water drinker, like literally. So it's as simple as that. Um, so it comes down to like modeling your behavior, but in, in regards to language, I think it's so important that we're really careful about our language, that there's no good or bad foods. Um, and meaning by, if you're not like a good person, if you eat the vegetables, like it's not good job, you ate vegetables. It's like, oh, wow. Like, like, oh, that's great. You're trying, you know, you're kind of like, you don't even, honestly, I wouldn't even like not acknowledge it so much. Like you almost like want to keep like your commentary about food kind of neutral mm-hmm. and kind of just, but your only job as a parent is to prepare the food or buy the food. So it's present. So they have the choice between the cookies in the pantry and the fruit on the counter. Right. And then making like those more nutritious options, more apparent to them. But one thing that I learned really like not earlier on, but kind of more in my late teens when I was really was struggling was I was fixated so much on 
how food was going to make me look like I just so bad desperately wanted to lose weight to be accepted and loved by others. That's literally the story I was telling myself. And so I changed my eating habits to be very extreme, very restrictive, very disordered, not healthy and by any means. And because I was so fixated on looking a certain way. But when I started to look, instead of looking at how food was going to make me look and I said, instead started to focus on how food was going to make me feel that's when I found balance in my eating habits. So I then started to navigate towards more nutritious foods because I felt better when I didn't overeat on like the less nutrient dense options. But I also knew that when I never allowed myself to have any of that stuff, I felt deprived and I ended up binging and eating overeating on it later. So I really made made it clear to me as my, for myself was that I'm just going to choose more nutrient-dense foods, more wholesome foods, more balanced foods, meals and snacks more often and work towards the habits to developing that. And then occasionally when, when you do that, when you nourish your body in that way, those cravings for that other stuff happen less. And then when you want them, you allow yourself to have them. Like there's no big deal about it mm-hmm. because it's just food. And it's like a different sort of experience of when you're eating it. Totally. Um, so I think that <clears throat> it's important for parents to not like be so strict about like, you're not allowed to eat this. Like I know a lot of parents might not buy any of those sweets. I think not presenting it to them um, at all. They can often become secret binge eaters or emotional eaters, or when they go to their friend's house, it's like they, they overdo it when they're there. But if they have the access to it, you, we want to create repeated access to all foods because when they're exposed to it, now it kind of lessens the hype that we put it on a pedestal and then they can, they can be able to then navigate and recognize like, oh, wow. Like I always feel sick when I like eat the entire bag of Doritos. Like I just like, maybe I should just like take a handful and I'll feel better. And that's (laughs) that self awareness piece, right? Like as opposed to just binging and binging and binging and then getting sick, but not really making a correlation between the two. You're saying to present them with the option of healthy and maybe a little bit more less nutrient dense, if you will. And if they can then recognize which one makes them feel a certain type of way, then they'll hopefully be drawn to the one that actually nourishes their body versus the one that doesn't. So when did you make that change? Like when, when was that switch flipped for you? Um, and was it something that you discovered on your own? Were you reading a book, a podcast? Did somebody say something that made you think about it in a different way? Because the girls we work with, and I can speak to this as a teen. I know Jill can speak to this as a teen. When I was a teen, I didn't really listen to my parents. So if my mom was somebody who drank water and she told me to eat my green beans, I probably gave her a ginormous eye roll and (laughs) walked, right? I walked out of the room, right? So it's, if somebody else said it, like my friend's parents made green beans, I was probably so thankful to eat them and drink the water (laughs) that they served. So Mm -hmm. was it somebody else outside of that realm for you that kind of helped you make that change? So... No. So basically what it was for me was I didn't, I wasn't listening for a long time and I was trying, but I wasn't listening. So what I mean by that is like, I was still trying to lose weight. So I was, it was looking from the outside. I was making healthier choices. But my mindset behind it was driven by like obsession and fear of gaining weight. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I was so determined to lose the weight. I almost didn't care how, but because in the society, when someone's eating healthier and exercising, that's like praised. And I was in an overweight body. It was looked at as a, as like, oh, that's amazing what you're doing. But unfortunately what was happening behind the scenes was, 
Um, I'll give you an example. And this is not to say, uh, and I believe in individualized care and that there's no one, there's no one size fits all approach. And my book actually is called Once Upon a Diet, where I help people kind of sift through and create what their a plan that works for their individual biology and lifestyle. But I'm going to share a story with you because I think it'll be helpful. So I decided that I was going to go to school to become a dietitian. And I you know, figured out because I was doing all the restrictive ways. I'm like, this isn't the way, like, I got to find a better way to do this. Like I need to learn how to lose weight and hopefully get a boyfriend. So basically, <laughs> I, was like, oh, I went to college. Um, and the very first day of class, I sit down and the professor teaches us about vegetarianism. And I was like, oh, maybe this is why I haven't been losing weight. Like maybe I need to be a vegetarian. Mm. And I would told people that I was going to try it because you know, I never, I'm Greek and Italian, you know, literally like the, when they found out I was vegetarian, they're like, what do you mean? You don't eat no meat. It was like the big, my big yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, basically, Yeah. But basically I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a try. So I told people it's because like, if I'm a dietitian and someone's a vegetarian, I don't know how it would be. So I want to experiment and I want to see. So, but really secretly I wanted to lose the weight. So I become a vegetarian. Then like later that day, I go to gym class. I sign up for a gym class for an easy A. Um, I go to gym class and some guys checking me out, which never happened before. Cause like I said, I didn't get much attention. When I was younger. Cause I was I always in, I've always been in a bigger body. Um, and he's like checking me out and I'm like, okay. He's like, looking at me, he asked me my number. Long story short, he becomes my boyfriend. So like now I'm like, this vegetarianism thing is amazing because oh, like, I it was that, yeah, it got you what like, you wanted. Literally. Like I got, I became a vegetarian. I got a boyfriend. I'm like college is awesome. Like this is it. So all that to say, like I stayed a vegetarian for a long time. And then I, I actually, I lost a little bit of weight, but more so because I was just like, actually eating more vegetables, drinking more water. Like I was taking care of myself a little bit better, but then I stopped losing weight. And so I was like, okay, so obviously I have to work harder. So I, it was Lent. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to try to be vegan for 40 days. And then it was approved by society because that's like a Lenten thing to do in Greek Orthodox. Right. So like, that's like a normal thing to do. Um, not, Everyone's you know, like, oh, you're doing such a wonderful job. Yeah, you just, like you have a yeah. boyfriend, you're in college, you're losing <laughs> yeah. weight. Yeah. But- and on the inside, you're literally wasting away. Well, so, and on the inside, what was happening is I didn't even, I was bloated all of the time. Initially I had a lot of energy, but then eventually I was like really tired. I was always hungry and always bloated. So long story short, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm always bloated. I should be gluten-free. So at one point in my journey, I was a gluten-free vegan. And let me tell you that shit Oh my sucked. God. And so yeah. now I like backtrack to like a different type of restriction, like a different type of extreme. So mm-hmm. it was different from when I was in, in high school and I would like eat an orange for the day, you know, like that was extreme restriction. Mm-hmm. This time it was just like in a diet culture, like phenomenon that's praised that it's like, oh my God, you're so good. You're so healthy. Like, right, wow, you're, you're have all that self-control. You're really saving the world. Meanwhile, yeah. you have fiber overload. I'm dying. <laughs> Literally, I'm dying. Literally, like my stomach is going to like, oh, like burst at any moment. Yeah. But all that to say, I wasn't paying, I was like, it was like, I was paying attention, but I wasn't being introspective. Right. So I think that there's a difference but that for a while I was just ignoring the signs. I was ignoring all the red flags because I just so desperately wanted to be loved and accepted. <laughs> like, yeah. so I just ignored all the red flags. Then when I became aware of them, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's supposed to be hard because that's what people say. Like, it's supposed to suck because like, that's how good things come from sucky yeah, situations. Right. Like, yeah. You know, so I just misinterpreted it all. And then long story short, I finally was like, no, this has got to go. Like, this can't be. I can't sustain this anymore. And so uh, basically- Did you hit a rock bottom? 
Did you yeah, have like burnout? Yeah, I did. I also there's I ha- so this is an interesting. If you read in my book, I talk about that actually that story I just shared is actually um I talk about it a little bit more in depth, I think in chapter three. But there's periods. That's why I say when it comes to healing and healing your relationship with food and your body, there's stages. It takes time, but like also at that time, I was trying to figure it out on my own. Like, you know, but when you work with a professional, like the program that we have, it's a six month program in six months, when you work with a professional that have actually, we're now on the other side, we truly have healed. Like then, you know, it, it can happen a lot quicker, but for me, it was like in pieces. And I think like anybody too, even when you're healed, we can always backtrack a little bit. And so there was many seasons where I kind of like, all right, I healed that. I figured that out. And then like two years after that, I went through like this other disordered eating pattern just through like macro tracking and like scale obsession. And like, so it can pop up. So I started to recognize the patterns and that's why I wrote my book because so many people have these patterns where they're jumping from diet to diet, hoping each one is quote unquote the one. And I say this in my Ted talk and in my book, we're basically going around like Cinderella stepsisters trying to jam our feet into something that clearly doesn't work for us. But really we need to be more like Goldilocks. Like we need to explore, experiment, pay attention and ask the right questions. Um, So that's what I talk about in the book is making sure we're asking the right questions. Wow. And you hit on something so beautifully. It's like, okay, you did vegetarian, vegan, you went gluten-free, you did macro tracking and society is so praiseful of those things that it goes Mm -hmm. in seasons. It's like the Atkins diet was here. Sugar was bad. Fat Mm -hmm. was bad. No carbs. Oh, but then let's bring it back and let's do it if it fits your macros and eat Pop-Tarts and cereal. It's such a mixed message. And as much as things change, I mean, I can remember being the kid who snuck my mom's Slim Fast. Oh, and, my, I was oh, just going to yeah, say that. Right. And it's Slim like I took – I, Ew. My I was mom like, was like, oh, it's good I, I definitely, for breakfast. <laughs> I definitely need to lose a couple of pounds, so I'm going to drink a Slim Fast for the day, okay? There was the commercials about that. Now it's like we have social media, which is such – a hard thing for girls. So we work with girls from all the way ages eight to 18. And our youngest one, we had a conversation with a mom the other day that said a little boy on the playground looked at this girl and told her her thighs were too big. So now the narrative in her head is, oh my gosh, my thighs are too big. And she looks at her mom and she's like, holy moly, mom, you've got big thighs. Am I just destined to have big thighs? And then people aren't going to like me. So like you said, your worth was tied up in your weight. When we can get to them and we can talk to them about what they actually value. Mm -hmm. And if they can use their values as their North Stars, then they'll be less susceptible to taking what other people say as their own truth. Mm -hmm. We like to liken it to a dressing room where they're literally putting on layers and layers and layers of people's opinions. And then they wind up, I'm going to drop an old reference here. They wind up looking like Joey from Friends when he steals Chandler's clothes and he's <laughs> he's literally got like 72 layers of clothes on and it can be so heavy. It can weigh them down so much to where they feel like they're drowning in everyone else's expectations of them and then they don't know who they are. Mm. So it's it's incredible how society really does look at it and they say, oh my God, you're doing such a good job. And then it's on to the next thing. Like they've forgotten about you, your old news. It doesn't matter how much you're suffering or what's going on on the inside to destroy you. It's whatever the next best diet is going to be. And I love your analogy. I wanted to ask about that because you said you have an archetype um, according to Disney princesses. So it's, it is. It's like we're trying to shove this round 
peg in this square hole when realistically we should be trying everything on the things mm -hmm. that we brought into the dressing room we should be trying those things on to say i like the way this fits i don't like the way this fits i'm not gonna buy this i am gonna buy this so mm -hmm. will you explain a little bit more about your disney princess eating archetype yeah so i created a disney princess eating archetype quiz so people can kind of understand like which Disney princess they eat like. And you're probably like, I don't know how they eat. And like, neither did I. I created this on my own. It was, it made sense in my head. <laughs> it sounds no, it really sense. great. So basically- I, I want to know who I am. Yeah, so you have to take the quiz. It's only 10 questions. It's like super quick, but it'll ask you questions basically like, how do you feel around food? How often do you eat past fullness? Like, um, are, do you often like- finish your plate or do you like leave what I don't know it's a bunch of different questions but it takes time it's literally it takes like less than probably five minutes to fill out but the reason why I created the quiz was because I have this theme once upon a diet I talk about like Cinderella's stepsisters throughout the book I even talk about kind of like even in the in the fairy tales like if you think about all of the Disney princesses they all have like this hourglass shaped figure they just have a different hair color and don't even get me started on their skin color like literally they're the same thing <laughs> um and like it's all about how they get the guy it's all about finding love so it's like I never growing up in a bigger body I like it was just it's like I didn't even need to watch the movie to be influenced by this idea that like like I was never depicted. There were also there were not a lot of plus size models back in the no. 90s. Right. You know, um, now it's becoming more more prevalent, but all all women feel pressure to change their body regardless of their body size. But all it to say, like it was just like so blatantly obvious that you needed to look a certain way in order to be find like be loved and find and get married and all the things. So only to say there's some like Disney references throughout the book. It's not a lot about it, but with the theme of the title of my book being Once Upon a Diet, I thought it would be a good idea to like help people understand that they might be eating in a certain way that if they just harness the characteristic a little bit better, it could be actually work out really well for them. But if we're using it in a like the negative way, then it's going to be harmful for them. So for example, each Disney princess is kind of known for a specific characteristics like Cinderella for example she's known for being hopeful which is a beautiful thing to have being hopeful but being hopeful sometimes can be like you stick to like really less than ideal circumstances so my old version of myself of that story I was telling you I was more a lot like Cinderella in the sense that I was just kind of sticking to like working harder working harder working harder and hoping that it's going to get better mm. but I, it was never going to get better unless like something changed right so basically each disney princess has like this different characteristic and so like their eating style for somebody like cinderella it's like super restrictive you know they it's like where they're like almost like perfectionist like working super hard right whereas somebody like ariel is known for her curiosity they're more of like that yo-yo dieter they're like onto this fad diet then trying this and it's like oh it's look at that sparkly shiny thing over there <laughs> they kind of like try this look at this that. stuff yeah <laughs> 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 literally if you get ariel in the quiz that's like the first email you get like her gif coming out of the water <laughs> yeah um and like snow white's known for her kindness which is a beautiful thing to be kind but if you don't really put your foot down set boundaries people take advantage and you can get swayed either way and so and and jasmine is known for her independence in the in the movie itself she ends up She's just like, it knows like, no, I'm not marrying the person. I don't, I don't want to be married like to this person. Like I want, I know what I want. 
but I kind of use that as like, if she, if that didn't happen, if she ended up settling for the marriage that she was like, just like told the person she had to marry, like she'd be miserable and she'd probably be more of an emotional eater. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're strong in your independence and who you are, you don't feel like you need to like eat food to soothe and cope. And so that's kind of where I created it. And so I thought it was just like a fun way for people to understand that if they're feeling lost right now, if they're feeling like food has control over them, if they're feeling like their eating habits are, they need, there needs some healing or fixing there, um, that they, they have it in them. They have the characteristic to do it. They just aren't harnessing it. Right. They just need to harness, harness it a little bit better in a way to work for them rather than working against them. Yeah. I love, I, I love this. I can, I'm like, yeah. Oh gosh, this is really cool. You came up with this yourself and I can see each character really taking on what society has kind of laid out for us to choose from. I think of it as a buffet. It's like, okay, which one do you want? You want to be the overeater? You want to be the undereater? You want to be the the restrictive mm-hmm. eater? You know, choose choose your course. Mm-hmm. And my question to you, I, I, I really think about, I think about a couple of girls that we've worked with. And I want to say that their parents are really tuned and dialed into watching their eating habits. But it's almost like, the daughter hasn't come out to say like, hey, I have problems with with eating, but you can definitely tell that they're restricting their food or they're not eating because it's making them feel a certain way. So what would be your advice to parents to help their daughter? Because listening to you, I'm like, it's so much more. It's so it's that mindset and how do parents help start the conversation? How can we help support that conversation to really start to unpack and heal because their weight isn't tied to their worth? Right. Yeah. The thing that I probably would say is most helpful, like almost always is asking open-ended questions. So don't be like, are you not eating that because you're full or you're not like, don't make them answer in a yes or no, like create an open dialogue with them. Like, and it, it, I think it's hard because I think it's also depending on the relationship you have with that child. What I would say is that I think the very basic foundations is like, are you actually sitting together as a family and actually eating dinner together like one to two times a night to even create that space and opportunity to have that open dialogue? You know, where there's everything kind of always on the go and like you're not actually yeah, sitting. One to and, two times a week, right? Yeah, I would say at least once a week. You know, obviously the more, the better, but it's hard because I know like I was a, um, in all the sports, like many teams, many times. So my mom really did try to get us to like sit down and like, that would be the time to, but it was also very stressful because our family dynamic was quite crazy, Um, (laughs) which isn't, you know, but I would say like even creating the space to have that conversation. And I think just asking open-ended questions, like, how are you feeling, you know, or like, it's hard to say because it depends on the situation, but I would just definitely lead with open-ended questions and focus on the feeling, not so much the what, mm-hmm, you know, yeah, or the yeah. why even, yeah. because I don't even know that they know mm-hmm. quite right. yet. To well, be and honest. it's like the little digs too, mm-hmm. that parents might not even know they're saying you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I no, just, you're going back for seconds. Yeah. I would just like not comment. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. I would, I think it's best to just like not comment and not watch like a hawk unless you, right. if you feel mm-hmm. like there's a real concern, like there might be an underlying eating disorder or disorder eating. Absolutely. Like, but that's where 
I think it's really best because there's so many different family dynamics that it's really hard to say, say this or don't say that because the child is so unique as well. So I would say if you feel like there is an issue, then seek out a registered dietitian or a nutrition professional, or even a therapist who can really help you to help with your communication and skills in that, those specific scenarios of like when's happening and what's happening. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, you said it when we first started, there's not a one size fits all approach. It definitely is beneficial to seek individualized care because something that you struggle with as a parent, which is what we see a lot. I love the open-ended question advice too, because we say the same thing. It's like, if you if you ask a closed-ended question, you're going to get very short answers and <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a very short conversation. But just to treat each child individually in that way is incredibly helpful. So we couldn't agree more on that front. Awesome. Well, we love that you're so involved with women in this. Um, the earlier the conversation can start, the better. We love to say the more you know, the better you can do. So the more information that you have, the better you can equip yourself against all of those external forces coming at you and trying to tell you who you are as opposed to you really defining who you are and what your relationship is with food. And that goes with anything, with anything that we could have an issue with. So Love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us today. You mentioned you have a book, Once Upon a Diet, which is amazing. She and it's the cutest cover. It is. Oh, very thank cute. you. It's the it's the, a heart shaped sucker, and like little pieces oh. are trickling off. It's beautiful. Once Upon a Diet. That is beautiful. It's so good. Where can we find your book? Amazon. Okay. Yeah, Amazon. There's paperback, Kindle, and an audio version as well. In my voice. And ah, she in her New love in that New York voice. We also mentioned that we pod swap. So that means she's got a podcast too. It's called Tips with Tony. You can find it on any of the platforms that give you lovely podcast selections. Tony, thank you so much. We really look to you for help in this whole mentorship gig. Women like you who have forged the way, who have turned what they struggled with into an area of opportunity for others to thrive. So thank you for the work that you do and thank you for joining us today. We really had so much fun. We did. Thank and you so much. I, I am looking forward to you continuing to change all of these women's lives, which then they can teach their daughters. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. You're, that's exactly the intention. It's they're learning from watching. So that's all we're doing. <laughs> well, and if you guys gained any sort of revelation from this or value from it, Tag us on Instagram, take a screenshot, share what you listen to so Tag other people's um, other people can learn from this episode as well. And until next time, you guys, we'll see you on another episode. Bye. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. 
This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.